Welcome back, proud bookworms, to the podcast that celebrates everything your book-loving soul desires. I'm Frances Efferly, romance author and fantasy author um, under the pen name of F.D. Everly, and I am the Bookworm Unleashed. Now, it's been a while since we've had a recording. And let me tell you, the last couple of months have been crazy hectic with book signings and interviews and all kinds of things. Um, I've even commissioned some artwork for my Phoenix Crown Saga, which I am super excited about and can't wait to see. Have you guys ever um, seen character art done for your favorite book series. I'd love to hear about it. So send me your your comments and everything you love about character art. This is my first time commissioning it, so I am super excited about the entire process. Um, I've made a lot of headway on my next fantasy book, The Pendragon Flame, which is the sequel to The Phoenix and the Fae. And the second book in the four book series for the Phoenix Crown Saga. It is very soon going back into the editor for its final edits. And I'm excited. I am nervous. I am a giant ball of nerves because this story above all others has been part of my heart for well over a decade I have notebooks of different versions of this story that I have been trying to write. So hopefully it comes through. (laughs) Um, The passion and the research and just everything I love about the the Arthurian legends, I hope this comes through in these books for you. If you love fantasy, that is. If not, I've got lots of romance on the go as well with Dare Me and a sequel to Wishing on Snowflakes, which at this time is called Wishing on a Rockstar. Now, I might change that. I might not. It's kind of growing on me. (laughs) Who knows? But if you subscribe to my newsletter, and you can do that through my link tree, um, that is linktr.ee slash Francis Everly. You can sign up for my newsletter and keep track of everything I've got coming up and including receiving a print of some character art for yourself. So stay tuned and sign up and that is everything for my writing journey so far. So why don't we get back into our bookworms? and our book love, and celebrating our love today, we are reading Much Ado About a Widow by Jenna Jackson. This is uh, one of the books in her Widow's Club series, which she is a new author to me, um, so I have not read any of the other Widow Club books. I don't know if they are all as dramatic as this one, but if you love romance, you love historical, and you love high drama, then this book is for you. Now, sadly, our main character, our main female character is a widow. She managed to run away from her overbearing father to marry the love of her life, Isaac, who was a pastor's son. 
Unfortunately, Isaac died during the Battle of Waterloo. What's not clear is how long they were married for, but I suspect they were still very much in the honeymoon stages um, when, when he sadly passed away. And she is, even several years later, I think it's been two years now since he has passed, she's still mourning him. Um, but with no options save destitution and homelessness, she agrees to her father's demands that she marry the dreaded Lord Travers. In return, she will have a roof over her head, a husband to care for her, and her family welcoming her back into their arms. As since she had run away and married someone her father didn't approve of, he had demanded she be cut out of all of their lives. I hate this father. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, back to the story. So Georgina, our darling widow, has been widowed now for two years, and she is on the road to her home at Blackham Castle, where her father and her dreaded betrothed Lord Travers are waiting for her. At the end of this journey, she is meant to be married to this despicable man, although it's not really clear why she dreaded this marriage so much. Just that she had a an inkling. I don't know. He creeped her out. Have you ever had that feeling where you just, just don't like somebody and it doesn't matter how much time you spend with them, whether they're truly evil or not, you just can't get over your disregard of them. Well, that's the case here, or it seems to be anyway, until Georgina is kidnapped on the road. That's right. She is kidnapped on the road to her wedding at Blackham Castle. Now, she's got a bit of a reputation as a rebel in her family um, (laughs) and finds herself in various troubles. She's quite known to be, how shall I describe it, Uh, wild, perhaps? So nobody buys this excuse that she's been kidnapped. Uh, However, she's kidnapped with her maid and her little dog, Lulu, and they are taken by these vile villains to a port um, known as Portsmouth. And (laughs) when they are brought there, they are forced to go into... Well, they were forced to come out of the carriage, but Georgina manages to somehow escape by kicking her captors and surprising them enough for her and her dog and her maid to run away. And they run like the very devil is on their heels through this town of Portsmouth, and they can't find anybody who might help them. Um... In her mind, it's a lot of unsavory sorts around uh, ladies of the night, as you will, and dock workers, I assume, smugglers, perhaps. 
uh, in this town of Portsmouth, in this particular area of Portsmouth where she's um, fleeing for her life with a million incredible images of why she's been kidnapped running through her mind, like being sold to be a concubine and (laughs) forced into a harem, things like that. It's her ideas are wild and out there and they've made me laugh. (laughs) And then until she ran into a friend of her brother's Lord St. Just, St. Just. I'm not sure how exactly to say it. It's pronounced, it's, reads a St. Just, but I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be pronounced St. Just. Um, like a little bit of a French accent there. I'm not entirely sure, but he is uh, a Marquess from Cornwall. And as I said, a friend of her brother's, he's also dabbled in smuggling. So he is there. <laughs> I, I assume as a smuggler um, with his ship and his crew, they've just landed when she runs into his strong arms and his steely gray eyes stare down at her as she hurriedly explains that she's being kidnapped in this horrible way and she needs help and she needs to get back to Blackham Castle so that she can live up to her promise to her father, not be cast out of her family again, and married to the very man that gives her the creeps, Lord Travers. But St. Just, he's not buying this either. So he very calmly rescues her and takes her back to his ship um, and then locks her into a cabin to go back into the town to see if he can gather up some more uh, evidence as to what may have happened to her. And, And that he does. He manages to, his men manage to find her trunks way out in the streets, on display in her family's carriage. It's quite obviously a setup. Um, so he devises this dramatic plan and enlists the help of a child um, to distract her kidnappers so that his men can retrieve her trunks. And take them back to his ship. And he's rather successful. But it's at this point that we discover that the man who hired these villains to kidnap the beautiful, wild Georgina is in fact her fiancé, her betrothed, Lord Travers. Lord Travers and Georgina have a history. Uh, This history... It's a bit of a resentment as he was betrothed to her once before. And he is the very man that she spurned at the altar by running away and eloping with her dear Isaac. Now, all these years later, he's still carrying a torch for her, but not a torch of love, as you might expect. Uh, Rather, it's one of lust, lust for her and lust for her money. So he has drunk himself into a hole, but he still wants her. And he wants her with her money so that he will not be destitute. It's quite ironic. She's supposed to marry him so she won't be destitute. And he wants her because all of his investments have failed him and he has drunk himself 
into the poorhouse. <laughs> so ironic. However, <laughs> he's foiled his own betrothal with this ridiculous plan to kidnap her and ruin her reputation so that she's forced to marry him and she has no alternatives. Now, if he'd left all well enough alone, he would have had exactly what he'd wanted, but we wouldn't have this great dramatic story unfold before us if he had gotten what he'd wanted. So, <laughs> Georgina is rescued along with her belongings, her maid, and her little dog, too, by the gorgeous St. Just, also known as Rob. Robin St. Just, who hates the name Robin. <laughs> um, and he takes her back to his castle in Cornwall. But this is... February, I believe, and the waters of the channel are very choppy and cold, and it sends her, sends Georgina into quite the quite a fit of seasickness. She can't keep anything down, and she is stuck in her room, ill for a good day, before he comes and he manages to, he tries to nurse her back to health with some of his grandfather's remedies of broth and hardtack, which is a, uh, is kind of like bread made with, um, milk and sorry, not milk, um, flour and water. It's really hard, really hard. Um, a lot of people will use it to dip into their soups and stuff to soften it up, to eat it. It's also supposed to last for like ever because of the limited ingredients in it. And yeah, like I said, it's rock hard and you need something to soften it, to, to eat it or you're going to break your teeth. Anyway, he nurses her back to health with this and she's grateful for it. She's finally, the next day she's finally able to get some fresh air and take a turn about on the deck and he's happy to see her. And she goes up there and he's showing her the sights and it's all very romantic and she's still fighting against her desire towards him um, and trying to stay focused on her betrothal to Lord Travers. Ugh. <laughs> and she's trying to stay loyal to her father as she'd made a promise to him. She'd seen what he was capable of doing to his own children. And she didn't want that anymore. She didn't want that life anymore. Now that her beloved was gone. She could see no future where she might find love again, which is a big part of why she also agreed to marry this man. It's ironic. Oh, I couldn't get over the ironies and the drama because she's got it in her head that while he, Lord St. Juice has rescued her, she's got it in her head that he has kidnapped her as well instead of returning her to Blackham Castle like she'd requested. He took her home to Cornwall to meet his mother. <laughs> He's already got it in his head. He wants her. Um, and so he is, takes the opportunity of this voyage to woo her. And when they get to his beautiful castle on the, on the cliffs of Cornwall, or as I imagine it anyway, because there is a smuggler's tunnel that runs 
from the beach into his larder um, that was had been used for generations, I suppose. Um, he he brings her and introduces her to his mother and puts her in the blue room. Dun, dun, dun. The blue room, as we later learn, <laughs> is the wife's room to the Marquess. So I guess it's, is it the Marquessets? Uh, I don't know. The lady of the castle's chambers, which connect to his, (laughs) which we don't discover until much, much, much later in the book. Um, But he was very insistent that she have that specific room. And his mother, while surprised, acquiesced and had everything changed over from the guest room she had intended to place her in and put her in the blue room. The blue room is very, very grand with the bed on a, almost like a pedestal and larger than Georgina could ever imagine sleeping in. <laughs> but she does manage to sleep in it and other things. Um, and she and Lord St. Juice have a wonderful time together falling in love Um, and exploring the castle and stealing kisses. And it's just makes you sigh how sweet it all is. And I very much fear, I feared at this point that this was going to be a sweet romance. Nothing wrong with sweet romances, but the buildup between these two characters demands more (laughs) than just kisses. Okay. So if there was, there was going to be a riot in my house, if there was not more than kisses, just saying. <laughs> um, but it's not long before her brother and his wife um, show up at St. Just Castle with none other than her betrothed, Lord Travers, um, conveniently in tow. Now, they didn't bring him with them, but rather he, (laughs) they ran into each other on the boat leading to Penzance where they were going to (laughs) arrive in Cornwall um, to retrieve her. So it's, it was quite the convenience. Nobody seems to put these things together. Her claim to be kidnapped, his convenient arrival on at St. Just Castle to retrieve her when nobody had informed him of her, her kidnapping. And her father has even told the servants to gather up and follow him with weapons that anything they can use as a weapon uh, to follow him to Cornwall to retrieve his wild disobedient child. <laughs> do, you, do you understand? Are you getting the picture here of how much high drama is in this book? So Lord Travers is kicked out of St. Just Castle. He is very violently removed by a very large footman with the butler slamming the door behind them. And that is the last we hear of Lord Travers. 
Until late at night one night, Georgina hears a creak and a door slide open, and there's quiet footsteps pitter-pattering across her floor. And next thing she knows, the covers raise up just a little bit on her bed, and someone slips in beneath them. She believes that it is Robin that has come to her late at night, and she's laughing and telling him that he needs to leave because she is a good Christian woman, and she is betrothed to someone else, and she will not lay with him until she until I, I, she just will not lay with him. Um, and she is... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I completely skipped over a part here. I am so sorry. Right before her brother arrives, they are up on the roof of the castle and Robin proposed to Georgina and she accepted. That's right. So now they're, they need to figure out how they're going to do this. And that's when her brother and Lord Travers arrived right on the heels of their engagement. He's Lord Travers is not happy about this, and he is fighting his plans to fight it tooth and nail because he's broke and he wants his woman. He has been wanting her for several years now, and she has escaped his clutches once, and he will not have it again. So he sneaks. So in her bed, she thinks it's Robin. Until she recognizes the voice of her former betrothed. I guess he's now her former betrothed since she has accepted Robin, um, but still legally betrothed to Lord Travers. It's very, it's kind of confusing, actually, this whole situation, because she is a widow and should be able to choose who she marries. Um, and if it hadn't been for her father's blackmail, this whole situation could have been avoided. But then she might not have met Robin. If Lord Travers had never had her kidnapped, she never would have... Well, I guess she's met him before, but she never would have spent enough time with him to fall in love with him. So <laughs> Lord Travers really bit himself in the ass here. Um, and <laughs> when she discovers who's really in her bed, he tries to choke her while he fumbles with his clothes. Except that... She's got one arm pinned beneath him and the other arm is free. And now being a widow and not a virgin, she knows exactly what to expect and what the male anatomy is like. So she uses that to her advantage. And she manages to squeeze her arm in between both their bodies and gets a hold of his nutsack and Gives those gross, slimy things. I can only imagine them as gross and slimy because it belongs to such a dreadful man. Um, and gives them a great big squeeze. He howls in pain and she somehow manages to get... She manages to get the chamber pot and that happens to be full and slams it over his head. And knocks him off the bed. He is writhing in pain on the floor when Robin and her brother storm in to check on her and discover the scene. 
and she doesn't quite react as I would imagine somebody in that situation, a woman of that time in that situation might have reacted. It seems she's a little shaken up, but it seems to kind of just roll right off her back. You know, she snuggles with Robin a little bit as her brother takes Lord Travers and disposes of him. And they try to discover how he might have gotten into the castle in the first place. The only uh, suggest the only only explanation they can come up with is that he somehow managed to bribe some of the townsfolk um, and ply them with liquor into telling him about the smugglers' tunnels. But they still can't figure out how he knew which room was hers. Now, again, it's it's. Um, suggested that possibly he managed to bribe one of the lower servants into telling him. Um, but I can't see that happening because Lord St. Juice's servants all seem to be quite loyal to him. As demonstrated when Lord Blackham arrives with his men and challenges Lord St. Just. Uh, <laughs> and all of his St. Just servants come to his defense and there is a huge battle i guess of servants going on on his front lawns um but <laughs> i'm not sure quite when it ended or how it ends um but the next scene they are in a drawing room recovering from their various injuries and devising a plan to run away together to marry in, in in Scotland. Not at Gretna Green, as was popular at the time, but just anywhere in Scotland, because once they are out of England, she can marry wherever she likes. And the contract she signed with her father, the agreement she signed with her father, would be null and void. He cannot enforce it anywhere but in England. So the plan is to hop back on his ship, in February, and go along the channel and through the North Sea into Scotland to marry at the first port that they find. That is the plan, and they plan to do it the very next day. However, that night, that night leads to some sexy time. (laughs) I was a little disappointed that the sexy time was just it was just maybe two pages, maybe three. It was not long. It was not detailed. But every writer writes those differently. And uh, it was still good. It was still serviceable. <laughs> serviceable. <laughs> um, I am so childlike sometimes with my brain. Ugh, maybe childlike is not the right, right word. I've just, I've got a very dirty mind and it makes me giggle a lot. <laughs> um... So forgive me that I did not use the right term there. Um, (laughs) Immature. Immature is the worst I want. (laughs) I can be very immature with my sense of humor. How (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Uh, The next morning, right after she receives a scolding from her maid about her reputation and her honor, even though they are boarding a ship to go to Scotland to get married and elope, her father arrives. Now, I know I said that he uh, he arrived with his men the night before, but 
I am completely wrong. His men arrived. He did not. He did not arrive till the next morning. And his arrival kind of foils their plans a bit. Because he has come to retrieve his errant daughter. He is going to drag her uh, before a priest. Any priest, because he's had all the bands read while she's been away. So that a special license is not needed to get her married off to Lord Travers and fulfill his contracts with Lord Travers. I honestly don't know what's in it for Lord Blackham at all, because he's going to pay a dreadful man a large dowry to marry his widowed daughter. It doesn't really do anything for him. It doesn't increase his prestige. It doesn't bring any money into the family because the man is destitute. It doesn't bring reputation. Absolutely nothing. So this whole betrothal, in my opinion, is done merely to torture his daughter, to pay her back for the things that she did to him because he cannot let it go that she disobeyed him and ran away and eloped with the pastor's son. This man is so unbending. He is made of iron, but even iron sometimes breaks. And this man, well, he doesn't break, but he does start to bend a little bit. When he discovers, um, after Georgina and Rob manage to get down to the ship um, and get off to Scotland, he follows her. And they, when he discovers, he attempts to stop the nuptials, he discovers when Lord Travers also arrives with the very vile villain that he hired to kidnap Georgina in the first place to try and kidnap her again and stop the wedding and force her to marry him. When she recognizes this villain and brings it to her father's attention, Lord Travers is like, yeah, I did that. I didn't want to wait. And you did this to me last time, so I wasn't taking the risk this time. And it makes complete sense to him. But her father is absolutely livid because he has lived his life with his word as his honor. And his honor was questioned by these actions that Lord Travers has taken. Who kidnaps their own betrothed? <laughs> he's livid. He's, he's cost him tons of money shipping his men back and forth and dragging them away from their dirt duties around Blackham Castle. And for what? Because he was a fool. And Robin, in an attempt to uh, squeeze in some kind of favor here with her father, shouts, she might be pregnant with my child. <laughs> and her father's like, what? And Travers is like, no, it's my child. I laid with her too. Except that he didn't actually lay with her. He crawled into her bed and then she viciously assaulted his family jewels. <laughs> that does not count. And Robin is very quick to point out that that does not count as laying with a woman. You don't get pregnant by getting your jewels twisted off. Wowzer. <laughs> and I'm surprised he still wants to marry her, but he must be very desperate for the money after 
that vicious attack because, yeah, he's still going hard for her. She, however, eh, she's done. She's not following her father's orders anymore. She has no obligation to this man, her father, or this man anymore. And she has fallen in love with Rob. She wants to marry him. She's agreed to marry him and come hell or high water. She is going to get what she wants. Her and her father are cut very much from the same cloth. (laughs) But hers is far more amusing. (laughs) And her father gives in. Finally, at the very end of the story, he gives in and he lets her marry the man she loves. The man who is going to bring more prestige to his family, more money to his family, more honor to his family than Lord Travers ever could. So I'd say he's struck a better bargain with a better son-in-law. Don't you? And they lived happily ever after with one wild amusement after another. And you guys, I much adored this story. Much ado about a widow. If you haven't read it, please do. I happen to find it on the shelves at the local library, and it caught my interest. Because I do like the occasional historical romance, especially Regency. And <laughs> this one was amusing. <laughs> so go check out Jenna Jackson and the Widows Club and... Let's see what else her widows can come up with. What other adventures occur? Now, has I've got uh, well, I've got some big news. My local library uh, has also accepted my books. So, uh, starting in August, they will be offering the Phoenix and the Fay. Now, I'm still trying to get my romance in there, but my fantasy is there. Or it will be, and I'm super excited about it. (laughs) And I'm also excited about the character art that I've got coming out and getting the Pendragon Flame into the editor next month. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting summer. Um, And this is how my writing goes for me. Last year, I published three books. This year, I have published none. But... I've also been writing all year. So next year, I'll probably have three books to publish again. It takes me a while, but (laughs) I will get it all out there because I've got so many stories to tell, so many books to love, and so much bookish stuff to share with all of my fabulous bookworms. So until next time, book lovers, enjoy and keep reading.